0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, we are very happy to welcome a first-time guest to the pod, our fellow Charging Buffalo contributor, Joe Marino. Joe, welcome to Straight Up Sabres.
2: Hey, Taylor, Brendan. Thanks for having me on. It's been a long time coming, but happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Glad we're finally making it happen. And we wish you were joining us under better circumstances, but that has really been the case for any guest we've had this season. The Sabres fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1 to this weekend, closing out a six-game homestand with a very disappointing 3-3 and record. As we said in Thursday's episode, this game was pivotal for the Sabres as it not only had major playoff implications, but it also would have been the first time this season the Sabres won three games in a row. So with a win, the Sabres would have moved into five points back of that second wildcard spot both Tampa and Detroit would have been tied for that second spot with 51 points and it would have put the Sabres only six points back of Toronto for what would have been the third spot in the division. Instead, the Sabres fell to 20, 22 and four and yet again have made their chances of crawling back into the playoff conversation that much more difficult. As has been the case so many times this season, the Sabres fell to an early deficit in this one with Tampa scoring twice in the opening frame, both of which came off of turnovers, which is just awesome. Dylan Cousins did score the Lone goal for the sabers in this one and the sabers were all over tampa in the third out shooting them 15 to 2 however it was not enough as their poor start yet again crushed them calvin dehan kept things off with the empty netter in this one and the fact of the matter is is that this team simply has not been good enough in general but especially when they've been presented with real opportunities to get back into the playoff conversation as i said before they finished this homestand three and three and are now six and five in their last 11 as this season continues to slowly slip away so Joe, it's a tale that has become all too familiar for Sabres fans this year. They can't string together win streaks. And even though the loss against Tampa wasn't some disastrous performance, they seem as though they're content with this mediocrity and don't really have a real plan for where the team is at at this point. So to get the conversation started, Joe, what do you make of the Sabres season thus far 46 games in?
2: It's just extremely disappointing. Like going into the season, real expectations for the first time probably since the 1617 season and going into it I remember saying to myself man they cannot have a repeat of that 1617 season I think 1516 Eichel's rookie year uh they have their best year since the drought started that was many years ago at that point but um so and then they came flat uh they fired Tim Murray Dan Bylsma and they bring Botterill in. And this has a pretty similar feel to it at this point. Uh, they can't, like you said, can't string together winning streaks. It's yeah. very disheartening to see, especially after how they finished last season really promising. But the their best players are all taking steps back. Really, they're only guys who are kind of exceeding expectations at this point are... Middlestat and Skinner They're, they've been their most consistent players to this point so they need more out of their best guys and they really need to get something going here
1: yeah for sure one thing I think is interesting it's it's become a, a big topic of late is goaltending because Lukanen has actually had a pretty good stretch and I wouldn't even call yesterday a bad showing uh Levi hasn't played much and when he's played He hasn't been that good, but I just saw this recently, so I'm actually kind of confused about this. So Levi went down to Rochester yesterday, and Comrie got loaned to the Sabers, and they reversed that today. So he has a more general question: like, what is uh, what's going on with that? Kind of a weird thing. It it doesn't make much sense the way
2: that they're kind of operating the goaltending. It's good to see that Lukanen is kind of turning a corner here. For the most part, I thought he's been pretty good this year, especially as of late. Uh, But the way they're handling Levi, it's just a little puzzling because the way the season's going, you would think, okay, 22-year-old goalie, 21-22, however old he is, should probably be one playing games consistently. And going into the season, the idea was, okay, he's going to be Buffalo starter. That didn't go so well. You would think they would just let him cook in Rochester, especially considering the season is lost at this point. So, The fact they're bringing him back up, I assume they're going to get him one or two games on this California road trip here and see how it goes. But they really got to get him playing for sure.
0: Well, and to piggyback off of that, our fellow charging Buffalo pal, Sabermetrics, our buddy Walt, uh, made a great point this morning uh, and tweeted that Levi has a 903 save percentage in three AHL games. Comrie has a 951 in three AHL games. And Comrie's the guy that they don't trust to start against Anaheim. And he also goes on to say that Levi is about to go 30 calendar days with three starts as a 21-year-old prospect. Listen, I I think it's a matter of questioning, back, going back to the point that I made in the intro, which was, what is the plan here? Because you could have a plan going into the season, but it feels like this is the second year in a row that... In two different ways, things don't go according to plan, quote, unquote. And the team just kind of sits on their hands and and lets it ride out without really trying to do anything to adjust whatever their strategy is to how the season's going and the ebbs and flows within the season. You know, you look at last year and a lot of people, us included, Taylor and myself and, and, and many others, you know, were saying that when it was getting to December, January, and then you're approaching the trade deadline more and more as you get closer to the season, like... We're outperforming expectations right now. You're getting career seasons from Tage Cousins, Darlene. Power is playing great for them. The goaltending obviously was a huge issue, but you had all of these guys who were having these fantastic seasons last year, and the thought process for a lot of people, us included, was, all right, well, sure, there's not a lot of runway left for the rest of the season or you're past the halfway point, whatever, but you know, let's throw these guys a bone and prove that you want to go on a run here and do something and and try and make a move to push you further into the playoff conversation. And at the time, I think a lot of people were understandably saying, oh, well, you know, if you make an acquisition like that, what's the difference going to be like? It maybe will add a, a couple of wins onto whatever your end of year record is. And we come to find out that adding one more win would have been enough. To get them into the playoffs last year. So now you get to this year, and it has been, I I mean, I think a disaster is probably even underselling it at this point with how they've handled things. And again, they're not really rolling with the punches or trying to adjust according to how the season's going. And so you have UPL on this really good stretch here, which has been great. I mean, I'm not going to go as far to say as he's like, permanently turned a corner and the guy we're seeing right now is what the rest of his career is going to be, or that he's this like starter caliber player. Cause we don't know. And he's been so back and forth
1: but, and he pretty much did this last January too.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Levi to Walt's point, three starts two in the NHL, one in the AHL in almost 30 days. And you're not doing right by this guy's development process here. I mean, I, I know that it's been pointed out that like, You look at some of the other top goalie prospects who we've talked about, and they haven't exactly had the most, you know, dazzling NHL debuts or runs this year with guys who have had some runway in the AHL, like Dustin Wolf or Jesper Wallstat. But this is like a proven method that this works of allowing a goalie to get as many starts as he can to adapt and adjust to the professional level. And The fact of the matter is, is that the entire argument for Levi coming into the season was, all right, well, we're going to lean on him to be the guy, and he's going to play important games, and he's going to grow and develop in the NHL, which is just historically unprecedented and really doesn't happen much with goalies of his age, but whatever. And now we're getting away from that plan altogether, and the guy's not even playing at all, and so he's just sitting on the bench, and what are you doing to really help his development? And so, Joe, to kind of sum that up and take it back to you, I mean, what do you make of how the Sabres just in general, I guess, have handled uh, the development of some of their prospects this year, because on the one hand you have Levi where it's like they're keeping him up and it seems like he should be down. And then there's obviously been the arguments, of course, understandably so for, for Kulik or Roseanne to come up and add some additional scoring spark or a spark to the power play, what have you, what do you make of, of the organization's handling of the prospects thus far this year?
2: I really don't have an issue with keeping Kulik and Roseanne and Rochester right now because I mean they came up for a cup of coffee and they didn't really make much of a difference and they're 19 20 years old you shouldn't really expect them to make a huge difference I respect that they gave him a shot but I mean you don't can't expect them to run with it give especially Kulik given one game but with especially with Levi it's just a little bit confusing the way they're handling him kind of stick to a plan if you're going to keep him in Buffalo give him some games and you know Lukanen he's been fantastic of course you're going to want to run the hot hand given where you are in the season so if you're going with Lukanen just let Levi play in Rochester I think see what if he comes out and you know plays fantastic gets a couple wins over the next five games or so then keep him up and kind of go in like a 50-50 rotation but if Lucan isn't giving up this job anytime soon, Eric Comrie can sit the bench and play one out of seven games or whatever it's going to be and let Levi go on a deep playoff run in Rochester.
1: So, unfortunately, uh, the disappointments are not limited to uh, the net. So it's it's kind of been all over the place. But two guys in particular that I think don't – that have had – Big expectations. Good seasons last year. Don't really have any kind of injury type excuse that have been disappointing. Our Cousins and Darlene. Uh Darlene, still a lot of goals, oh, kind of a crazy amount of goals halfway through the season. Going to have a good point total again. But anyone who watches him day to day knows that he's really slipped defensively. He's making a lot more mistakes and he's not even the kind of breakout outlet passer that he used to be. Same time, Cousins, uh, 30 goal scorer last year, has not nearly been as ferocious on the forecheck. So uh, what do you make of those guys?
2: Well, I think part of the issue, my opinion at least, with Darlene is the fact that they kind of switched back to a Kruger-esque system. And when Granado got here, what really turned Darlene's game around was, okay, we're not going to worry about these mistakes. Go, You got the green light. I remember that's what was said. And that's when he became a disappointment to some. What some believed he was a disappointing former number one overall pick. Got to figure it out to, okay, this guy's in the Norris trophy conversation. And now a lot of the blame for missing the playoffs last year was, Oh, they can't defend, you can't win every game six to five, yada, yada, yada. And they kind of divert back to a defense first system. A lot of these guys, they're like leopards don't change their spots. That's what, my opinion is and majority of these guys are run and gun offensively minded guys and if you're trying to change these guys which I think is what they tried to do this year it's not going to work out and we're seeing it firsthand uh so my opinion don't let Darlene worry about defense he you know could be controversial to say that uh he's your number one defenseman but Go out, get a partner for him to kind of take off the defensive load. And I know Samuelson, he was that guy last year, but he's taken a pretty big step back this year as well. I didn't
1: even mention him, but that's another one.
2: Yeah, so just most of the guys took steps back this year. And, you know, going into the season when just about everyone had a career year last year, you can't expect them to – carry that over season to season. And specifically with Dylan cousins, I never expected him to be a 30 goal scorer in the NHL. Uh, That to me seemed like a contract year. I'm fighting for a contract kind of deal. So I'm not super disappointed with cousins. I would like to see more of a consistent, like for checking effort with him kind of getting Paterka and Quinn, those goals, setting them up. So I never really expected Cousins to be a big time 30, 40 goal scorer, but I need more two way effort out of him and setting up his line mates. So I just think it all goes back to changing the system and then halfway through the year, realizing it's not working. And we're seeing it right now. They got to go back to what was working for them last year.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I wanted to say something about your Darlene point. I think you're right that they generally they shouldn't <clears throat> have worried about making him uh, more of a defensive guy this offseason, however they're getting in his head that way. But it's it's a weird concept to start with because anyone who watched last year, or if you look at the underlying numbers, there was nothing wrong with Darlene's defense. It was not some big hindrance. It wasn't a problem. He played good defense and great offense. That's what, what you really could get out of him. That's Norris Schofield caliber. I mean, the best versions of Eric Carlson didn't play great defense. Like, Adam Fox is not uh, – scott stevens like you'll take good defense and great offense that's great for a guy like him and ideally like you said you'd get a partner for either him or power that is a guy that can take on more of a defensive responsibility it's something unfortunately i think samuelson is not going to fulfill at that level but it's just such a weird thing that they would they would look at Dalene and say there was anything to change i mean there's other guys you look at maybe tage or or maybe even cousins or a lot of the forwards last year and look at their defensive uh the centers really their defensive uh performance last year and say, that's a huge problem, but the Darlene thing's so weird. So strange, but Brandon, do you have another question?
0: Yeah. Well, and just to go off of that too, I mean, <laughs> what's so maddening about it and it lends to your, your Carlson comparison point there is that when you're that good on offense, it kind of contributes to you being good on defense, because I think we made this point last episode that <laughs> in the most basic of terms, it means that you have the puck more often in the offensive zone than you do in the defensive zone exactly and to your point too Taylor with last year I mean so much of what we've seen from Darlene this year that and really the defense in general that has been a problem were things that weren't necessarily like what was their issue last year I guess I'm going back to like breakouts I think is really the big thing I think on the offensive side of things the big discrepancy and change has, has been the fact that they're just so pitiful on the rush now, as compared to last year when they were one of the best teams in the league coming, like generating high danger opportunities off the rush scoring chances and and straight up like finishing off the rush too. what I think has been a huge problem this year with the defense is in addition to just like generally speaking, like team defense is that their breakouts have just been really bad, very disjointed. It feels like there's just a complete lack of communication there and maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't remember them having as many issues with breakouts last year as they have had this year. We talked a lot, Joe, over the past couple of months we, on a few episodes. We've talked about the fact that when it comes to breakouts, one of the things that it feels like they've changed that's really stood out is that they're now having the wingers almost like hanging in the neutral zone while the puck is still below the faceoff dot in the defensive zone. And it's leading to them having to make these ridiculous stretch passes that most of the time are they're sent into clogged up areas and they're getting intercepted, they're causing turnovers, and then it's leading to rushes in the other direction. And, I mean, we've seen them get burned by that so many times. So structurally speaking, Joe, whether it's, you know, I guess either both, really, on the defensive side and the offensive side, what are you seeing that is really keeping this team back from – taking the next step that we were all hoping for them to take this, this season.
2: I think it it goes back to coaching. Honestly, Uh, the guys are playing like they're confused and we haven't seen a way of putting it. They haven't seen, we haven't seen play like this since Ralph Kruger was here. And I don't know what happened. Uh, Don Granato came in here talking about guys got to play to their strengths, like specifically, going back to the Darlene conversation and I don't know if Kruger called him up in the off season and was like, Hey buddy, listen, you got, you guys can score. We know you can score, but just wait until you guys can defend. And it goes back to Eric Johnson's quote going into the season where, Oh, we're not going to do anything until we can defend, but they changed what
1: look in the mirror. Pal. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> they changed what was working. They got it They're Apparently they're trying to go back to it, but which is I, the, I'm not seeing it. <laughs>
0: that, that's what's the most insane thing about this to me is, is that Granado came in and it was like, all right, we fired the last guy because of, you know, X, Y, Z, because of how just like you're saying, the confusion among the guys trying to make players fit into a system as compared to molding your system to fit the strengths of your best players and even your player, like all of your players for that matter and I'm just like you. You then last year figure out the fact, like how to become a, a top ten scoring team in the league, like generating offense in a way that we have not seen throughout the entirety of the drought. And your thought is to go back to a system that's reminiscent of what got the last guy fired. I, I mean, I don't know. And so to take that to the next level, then Joe. You know, you are a, a great follow on Twitter. You're very vocal about a, a variety of opinions here that I want to get to in a minute. But one of them that I want to talk about now is Granado and where you stand on the conversation of, of firing him versus keeping him around. And I feel like this conversation now is even further under the microscope, considering the fact that the above 500 New York Islanders fired their coach and hired Patrick Waugh just yesterday. What do you You're, make of Granado's job yeah. status right now and what the Sabres
2: should do moving forward? I think he's safe but he should be on the hot seat. You know, like you don't go from 90 what are they on pace for like 79 points yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, like you don't like 80, go from yeah. 91 to 80. You're on the fringe of making the playoffs. You have expectations and you come out flat for we're at the half point of the season now. So if they if they get swept on this California road trip or go on a five game losing streak, like something's got to give. And you don't see assistant coaches get fired very often, unless the head coach is getting fired too. But to me, I start there. I haven't been like full on fire Granado up until about now. Uh, Cause you, we saw what he did last year. He, everyone loved him last year. And now all of a sudden it seems like something's changed and like, yep for the most part, the same group of players. Uh, So also we got to figure out, is it coaching or is it the players? And you're not going to find out what the issue is if you keep the coach because you're not trading all these players. So I don't know. What is Granado? Like the seventh, eighth, most tenured head coach in the (laughs) league. Coaches turn over all the time. And I know Buffalo, we've been through – our fair share of coaches here and people just want some stability and consistency, but at some point, something's got to give, like if Lindy rough gets fired, they just got boat raced by Dallas yesterday. Why not? I don't know. Like, what do you have to lose at this point?
0: Well, I got to ask Joe, because just prior to us recording, you had tweeted and I'm not meaning to put you out, put you out here like this, but you did tweet. The Sabers are going to sweep this California trip and suck us all back in. Gold they belts. will, they will. You really think they'll be able to win three in a row going into
2: the All Star break? I could see it. I mean, like they have, like they have been playing a little better lately. Sure. So, I mean, you're facing Anaheim. The Kings have been struggling, and the Sharks are the Sharks. So, I could see it. If if they even if they win two out of three. Maybe you pull out five out of six points. I think they suck me back in because I'm gullible like that. I just want to see some success. So (laughs) I don't know. I can see it.
1: All right. Well, Taylor, do you want to hear a word from our sponsor before we keep it rolling? Yep. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So, for example, uh, tonight, a divisional game in in our division, Tampa-Detroit. And despite their being pretty close in the standings this year, uh, in their respective seasons they're having, Tampa, minus 120 favorite on the money line, uh, despite being on the road. That's an interesting line, and if you want to bet on that or anything else, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers, bet just five, do- 5 bucks on the NHL, get 200 instantly in bonus bets, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 and over but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com/hockey for eligibility. Deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources, NHL and the NHL shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. All right, so we're back. Uh one thing I wanted to bring up not really related to this season cuz we forgot to bring it up on our Thursday episode is that former Sabre Tyler Ennis retired, uh, which is interesting for a couple of reasons, one of which is that he is one of the last guys playing pro hockey anywhere that played a playoff game with the Sabres. Uh, there's none in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, and they're pretty much playing all overseas. So that's, tough. that's probably going to be zero before <laughs> before the drought ends. Uh, but Ennis, I, I think, had an interesting career because he came in as a, I would say, mid-level prospect. I don't think anyone expected him to be elite or whatever. Uh, but he was pretty good. He came in and he was impressive and scored. And He was, you know, he had a, a burst of energy. He was really fast and stuff. Unfortunately, he was the leading scorer on some of the worst teams in NHL history uh, once he started to, like, mature. And then basically as soon as the Sabres started trying again, he got a horrific concussion that I would say probably altered the course of his career. But props to him. He didn't let it derail his career. And he played in the NHL for probably another five seasons after that and has played pro hockey Almost eight years after that concussion, so good on him. But Joe, where do you? How, what is your relationship with uh, Tyler Ennis?
2: I was just a kid when Ennis was get breaking out, so he was one of my favorite players. So, uh, obviously, remember that big goal against Philly. I think it was Game Five. I want to say, yeah, uh, sending them to a win in your in the next round scenario, and obviously they. They fell flat there, but he was the face. You could say he was the face of the team and some very dark days at the beginning of the drought. So I think a lot of, especially the younger fans hold Tyler Ennis in a warm spot in their heart, I guess you could say, but yeah, like you said, that concussion kind of derailed his career thinking about what could have been if that concussion didn't happen, maybe, he sticks around in Buffalo and he helps them turn it around with Michael being here and O'Reilly Vander Kane. So that injury kind of thinking about what could have been, but obviously with the injury, he kind of carved out a new role played with Minnesota, Toronto, Ottawa, I think Edmonton too, for a little bit, but yeah, he great player. Uh, Maybe if the Sabers ever do that, Sabers Hall of Fame, anytime soon. Maybe he makes the cut. Who knows? But wish him the best in his next chapter.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I gotta self-correct immediately is Tyler Myers is still in the NHL. He Yeah, I
2: was just game. about to say
1: <laughs> you got drafted in the same first round as Ennis. The both both of them.
2: The Tyler uh, so yeah. drafts.
1: Is it is it just Tyler Myers though?
2: Yeah. Ty- Tyler Myers. Luke Adam is playing like Slovakia, mm-hmm. and I think there's someone else. I think there's one more. I don't remember Luke who it is. Luke though.
1: Adam played a playoff game.
2: That's yeah.
1: wild. Playoff roster. Yeah, What are these guys got? Luke roster? Adam
2: was on the all-star team. The like all-rookie 2000... team. Yeah, remember that? Yeah,
1: that's right. I oh, really man. thought he was going
0: to be a dude, man. I mean, yeah, granted he was playing on the top line getting carried around, but I was like, all right, Luke <laughs> Adam is about to do
1: something here. That's crazy. So Foligno never played in a playoff game here, I guess. That's the only other guy I would think of. Yeah. No, I, don't... I think He came, he came like the right year after.
2: Yeah. 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 It oh, so wasn't yeah.
0: his rookie year. It was he came up at like the tail end of it and then mm-hmm. he had that crazy run, like the last
1: 10 games of the year yeah. and he just missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first year of the drought. 2012. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. All uh, right. What? Well, uh, I- Brandon, but uh, before uh, you have any thoughts on Ennis, but I just wanted to say, Joe made me think of this because uh, Joe's a little bit younger than us, not that much younger. But you talked about how, you know, young people, Sabres fans really like Ennis. That kind of reminded me of how everyone our age loved a Fennec fan Enough yeah <laughs> uh, because Fennegan was uh I think my first year watching hockey was his rookie year and it was I don't know so cool as a kid it was like this really long name I'd never heard anything like it before um Jen calling a maximum of Feneganoff. I thought that was cool I thought that was his real name uh and you know that he was like a really cool fast guy which is also kind of what Ennis was but anyway do you have any Love thoughts uh, on Ennis Brendan
0: I mean, it's just echoing a lot of what you guys both said. I think that Ennis, you know, he was a part of this organization at a time that it was or I should say the majority of his time in this organization was during a time that it was really not a fun time to be a Sabre. And I commend him for sure. And will always look back on his time as a Sabre fondly because of the fact that he was better i mean he was the lone bright spot i feel like really yeah. through those kind of dark days leading into obviously the the reinhardt and Michael drafts and yeah i mean the, the the game against philly is one that i think was you know always going to hold a a nice memory in my heart uh, i remember i just you know when he announced his retirement there was a few people who were sharing clips of the goal and It's one of those ones that you see it pop up and you always just love to give it a watch because it's a great RJ call too. Very underrated one, I would say. But I, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to miss, you know, I'm going to miss Ennis uh, being around and playing hockey. It's a weird thing to think that he's already retired, but at the same time, I'm not going to miss the era of Sabres hockey that he was a part of. So it's a weird kind of double-edged sword, I guess. But I do want to get to something that is... uh, bit of a hot topic on your Twitter these days, Joe, and that is Casey Middlestat. Taylor and I have talked about it a handful of times. Sabres fans all over have been talking about it. Casey Middlestat is heading into the last year of his current contract. He's a restricted free agent, and there has been some chatter about him being the Sabres potential right now. Best, most realistic trade chip, I believe. I want to say, I can't remember if it was Saravelli or somebody else. Somebody had him at seven
2: weeks. It was Kevin
0: Weeks. Okay. Yeah. Kevin Weeks had added him to his trade deadline, big board. And I know that this is something that you are pretty strongly opposed to. So I want to talk about this a little bit and, you know, give you, give you the, the opening here to talk about why you are opposed to this.
2: I'm very strongly opposed to it. Casey Middlestadt has been their most consistent and best forward for the last calendar year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has been their top center. And, you know, when they tweet out the the lineup sheet, he's their third center, but he has been their best center. And this isn't seven years ago when we're trading our best players anymore. Like, I know people say, okay, but you trade him and you're going to get a defenseman. It's easier said than done. Like, the type of defenseman that the Sabres would be looking for, those guys don't grow on trees. Also, what's the problem with having like I feel like a big point against signing Middlestat has been oh you can't pay your third line center. You just can't. Why not? Your top two centers are making 7 million bucks. Let's say the Sabres didn't extend Tage Thompson before last season started and you know, they have to pay him over this previous summer. $10 million, $12 million, because you know, that's the way he played. So right now, your top two centers, if they have to pay Middlestat $6, 7000000 million, it's $21 million for centers. Right now, Darlene and Power, next year when their contracts kick in, they're going to be well over what Cousins and Thompson are combined right now. So let's say they trade Middlestat for a defenseman if they can find one, and you got to pay him $8 million, your decor is going to take up well over half your cap. Your Dahleen's at 11. Power is at 8.3. Samuelson's at 4 million. Clifton, for whatever reason, is making $3 million for another few years. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you can trade for defensemen without trading the guy who's been arguably your best player for the last calendar year. You have Savoy, Cooley. Roseanne, Noah Osland, you have all of your draft picks. Like, if you look at the defensemen that were traded last year, Jacob Chikrin traded for draft picks. Rasmus Sandin traded for draft picks. Uh, Philip Heronik traded for draft picks. Why can't we just trade the draft picks for this defenseman? It doesn't make any sense. I know that people, I don't want to say they don't like him. Because I know that people have changed their opinion about him, but typically when you say this guy's value has never been higher and it probably won't be higher, that's something you say about a guy you think isn't what he is. And he has shown that he's good and he's only, what is he, 25? He's young still. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that you can't keep this guy long term.
0: So I'm, I'm curious to throw a couple of things at you as far as considerations go, because I, I feel like I'm not swayed one way or the other all the way, because I think there are certain things to keep in consideration here. Um, One of them, I think, is, you know, you bring up the point that if you are to move him for a defenseman, do you have to end up? And I think that's also dependent on like the guy that you're trading for, what the contract is going to be that they're asking for. But my one of the considerations there is, you know, we're talking about, oh, if it's an eight million cap hit, is there, on the one hand, it's like, is there a number, given how well Middlestad has been playing this year, that if you knew that that was going to be what he was going to ask for, that you'd be like, all right, you know what, maybe it is best for us to move him for another piece elsewhere. And the other consideration that I want to kind of get your thoughts on as well is, the Sabres forward group over the next couple of years is in the top nine, at least 75% of the way set, yeah. you know, the top two lines are going to remain intact. I don't think I can see a scenario where somebody like Paterka or Quinn or cousins is going to get moved unless it's for like a big grand slam kind of huge deal to go and get like a superstar kind of guy. Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you look at a third line. I mean, Zach Benson, 100%, part of the future, part of the plan on the roster. Casey, in theory, would put you at eight. That leaves one other spot in the top nine while you have Savoy, Rosean, Kulik, and Noah Ostland probably coming over and playing in the AHL next year, all in the fold as well for that one slot. Now, you had brought up a point about saying, you know, if you, you trade picks or you trade prospects to get those kind of guys. Comparing, I guess, where the Sabres are and considering the value of those four prospects that I just mentioned, is it more advantageous for the Sabres if Middlestat potentially is going to ask for, I don't know what a number is, I haven't looked at like what uh, Evolving Wilds or Evolving Hockey's projections would be, but is that something also to take into consideration that if Middlestat is going to ask for like tage and cousins money is it more advantageous for the sabers then to say all right let's move this guy out now maybe address a need elsewhere even though i will of course say that Middlestead obviously has a particular skill set that not many other dudes on the team have granted i think that you can look at any forward on this forward group and say oh well they have a skill that nobody else in this forward group has but that aside do you look at that and say then well you know, we need somebody that's going to be tough to play against. And Oslin maybe is like a year and a half or, or maybe even next year, he's able to crack the roster and he kind of fits that bill. Hulik is this like, you know, very offensively minded, like kind of feeling like he's NHL ready right now. Maybe like a good finisher that can, you can put into the mix. Savoy obviously is uh, you know, tenacious forechecker, checker, fast skater, undersized, but still projects to potentially be a good NHL player. And those are all guys that you would have on their ELCs. How do you, I guess, in with where you stand on the middle stat conversation, weigh both what he would ask for potentially when he gets this new deal in the offseason, whether it's with the Sabres or otherwise, and the young guys that they have cooking right now that all pretty much project to be, and while it's an uncertain thing,
2: project to be potentially good NHL forwards? Yeah. So my hard stop on a middle stat contract is anything like above Tage. I think he's been good, but I wouldn't go above that. Like Mm -hmm. I see him in like the between six and seven million, something depending on the term, of course. Like if you're giving him max term, he's gonna be on the higher end of things. But I know some people have brought up what about a bridge deal, three to five years. That's perfect because then you can reevaluate where he is then. We can see where these prospects are, if they're ready to take over. But a big thing here is that not many people are talking about you trade Middlestat. What's your, who's your third center? Are you going to put one of these prospects in that haven't proven themselves at the NHL level? Sure. Now your defense is more rounded out, but I don't trust Peyton Krebs as their third line center at all. I don't think Savoy is going to be a center at the NHL level. And I don't think Kulik is going to be a center at the NHL level. I see them both as wingers. And I think Noah Oslin is going to need a full season in Rochester before I trust... Like we're The goal is to break this playoff drought, people. That, that, like, that's the goal. I am done with waiting and hoping that these prospects are going to make a difference. Now, if they win the draft lottery and Mac and Celebrini is here, then okay, I'll hear you out, trade Middlestat for a defenseman. But I, that's not going to happen. They're ain't picking seven eight nine ten again so you know i understand the conversation but it's like you're filling one hole and you're digging another by trading him so i think you you have your draft picks not all of these prospects are going to be able to play and i see them having more value as a trade ship than what they're going to bring to the roster. Like you said, Skinner. Like even if they wanted to trade him, he's not going anywhere. He, like no one is going to be able to absorb that kind of contract. Alex Tuck is going nowhere. Tage Cousins, they're signed for six more years after this year. Why would you trade Paterka or Quinn? Benson's a cornerstone piece. That's if you sign middle you got one more spot in that top nine for Kulik or Savoy. And then you're looking at Roseanne as being like a fourth-line piece. Why not use one of those guys to get a defenseman? That's my thought.
1: Absolutely. And I think to that point, even if playoffs are more than a long shot at this point, I think they have to start improving now because it's not going to be easy in the offseason to go from a team that finishes with like 78 points or whatever to a team that finishes with like 98, which would comfortably get you in the playoffs, theoretically. Uh, so, yeah, like these are the moves that Adam should be trying to make right now and all the way to the deadline, uh, yep. trying to get a defenseman. In my I opinion. think
0: also just to jump off of that, too, I, you know, we've talked about it a lot. And you made the point there, too, Joe, that not all of these guys are going to be able to be on the same Sabres roster at once because of just the sheer amount of them. And I think the thing that sways me in the keep middle stat direction the most is the fact that you can use these other pieces, whether it's any of the four guys we mentioned there, whether it's any of the next three first round picks or what have you to go and make a big addition to this group without having to subtract anybody. I think that's a a huge component of this, but I will say also though, that I do think not necessarily like using middle stat as like a sacrificial lamb or anything like that, but we got to stop with this. Like we're all buddies. We got to keep the room intact thing here. Like make a move of substance here. They got to do something. They can't just like keep holding Pat and think that things are going to work out because of just development for the sake of development. Look at any team, whether it's somebody like the Kings, the Devils, what have you, all of these teams who are on the precipice of taking a next step in their whether it's a rebuild or just where their franchise is at at a given point they end up getting to that next level because of an external move and shaking things up and i i just think that there is absolutely and again not saying it like for making a move for the sake of it but i really think that there's something to the idea that like you got to show these guys that like you know just because you have a good camaraderie and everybody's friends with each other doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences
2: for not being good enough right that's why i was so vocal on and- Timo Meyer and Jacob Chickering last year. Us uh, two, my man. Imagine like imagine if they traded a bunch of those prospects for both of them. Like they could afford it. They could have. They absolutely could have afforded it. And I know some people be like, oh, but Zach Benson. Okay, come on. Like Chickering, they wanted the Coyotes wanted Savoy or Kulik. They did. Like I hate to say it, but both these guys aren't gonna make it here at the same time like and it's not going to be soon there's no room for all of them and i don't see a name like that becoming available this year i just by now you would see the name start to pop up i don't think there's going to be a game breaker with term and is young or an rfa available right now you look at the rfa list for right shot defensemen, like Sider is not going anywhere. Heronic is probably staying in Vancouver. And Schneider is probably like the guy that makes the most sense for a trade target that might be available. You're not trading Middlestat for Brayden Schneider. I'm sorry. Like, also, can the Rangers afford to keep him? Like, I I tweeted, I believe, yesterday or the day before, okay, I'll hear out this trade Middlestat conversation. Let, Let me hear some names. Nothing makes sense. Like, it's not turn on NHL 24 on Xbox and okay, I'm going to go trade for this guy. Like Rasmus Anderson comes up quite a bit. The Calgary Flames, Hannafin's coming off the books. Like most of their defensemen are leaving via free agency or they're about to be traded in the next couple of months. Anderson's on a great contract. He's in their leadership group, probably one of their best players. Why would they trade him? Like, no teams are really going for the we're tearing this thing down to studs anymore. And the Calgary Flames, they're building a new arena. They want to stay competitive. I cannot see them trading Rasmus Anderson. Uh One name that I really liked was Bowen Byram. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, a left shot defenseman. I don't care about handedness, but I know a lot of people do. Left shot defenseman, 22 years old, dealt with some injuries, but former top five pick, maybe he works on a pair with Dahlien. I can hear that conversation out. If Colorado would actually want to trade him, doesn't sound like they're very keen on it, but they do have a big gaping hole at the center position. So maybe that works, but nothing else really makes sense at all. Uh it has to make sense for both teams. Also, Middle Stat needs a contract. Not many teams have cap space like the Sabres do. Uh I'm firmly in the trade futures camp here. It doesn't well, yeah, And, and oh, the last point
0: I want to make on that, too, going back to a team like the Kings, why I think that they're maybe the best comparison for this is because they kind of are the example of both sides of that coin where they make the big move for Kevin Fiala at a time that everybody is like, wow, L.A. has one of the best prospect pools in the league, all of this young talent coming up. And they did what we and many others are, you know, the three of us and many other folks are advocating for the Sabres to do which is to use those players as currency because the point that you made, this could be the point in their careers where their value is the highest. And the other side of the coin with regard to the Kings is look at where their prospect standing is now when it comes to guys like yeah. Alex Turcott, for example, Thomas Bjornfoot, Sam Fajemo. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the Akeel other Thomas, Akil Thomas, exactly. And uh, who else? Pinelli. I mean, he, he, granted, yeah. he was only a couple years ago. Brand Clark. I think he still is going to project to be good, but definitely. Byfield's is not. good. Byfield, yeah. So th- they kind of have both there, where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, you you can hang on to some of these guys if your roster allows it, and you can use them as a you know these young cheap pieces that are going to grow along with an established core. But at the same time, if you don't move on from some of these guys, there's going to be a like 99% possibility that two years from now, the Sabres are going to look back and be like, well, shit in 2022 or 2023, their value is much higher than they are now, because it's without question that like some of these guys are not going to hit.
2: Yeah. And another thing on the Kings, look how they won their Stanley cups too. They traded Wayne Simmons, Braden Shen. They got Richards Carter. Like they weren't afraid to do it then. Granted it was a long time ago, but Trading prospects when you already have a pretty good core in place, which I think the Sabres do, it works. It's proven to work. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Kings are a great example. Cause like, look, Bjornfoot, they just lost on waivers. They, they've lost a lot of these prospects off waivers. If they're not making it, uh, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to lose these guys on waivers someday. And when you take the step, it's like, everyone loves prospects. Uh they're fun to talk about. It's promising, especially when your team is terrible, like the Sabers have been for so long. But you know that Ted Nolan quote from many years ago: like prospects are great, uh, then they become suspects, and then they become I don't even know. But you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that a year from now, I don't know. Maybe Kulik takes a step back, and everyone's like, oh, trade them. Ah, blah, blah blah. Like that's what happens with prospects. These guys have value now. I just I just don't see any reason why we're still prospect hugging in the year of 2024. Yeah, uh, it's it's unproven <laughs> commodities
1: for proven commodities. Taylor. Hey, you know what else the Kings did to win a Stanley Cup? Fired their coach. Yeah. Woo! mid season. Interesting. It's an interesting concept. Um, I actually, you know, the one thing that stood out the most there when you're talking about potential trades is Bowen Byram. Hadn't really thought about this. But I don't even know who Colorado's 2C is right now. It's like Ryan Johansson. Ryan oh, jo- yeah. yeah. They they have Ryan
2: Johansson and Ross Colton. They they got them both last year. And, Joe, like, I mean, if the Sabres need to get, like, a shoe-in, like, plug-and-play 3C in a middle stat trade, like, I, Johansson's got one more a year. I think it's, like, $4 million. So if you yeah. got to take them off their hands, maybe he'll be okay. But... I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, love it, but...
1: Yeah, Colorado's top line is unbelievable. It might be, you know, rival Edmonton for the best top line in the league. Uh, but, yeah, after that, you know, things have gotten pretty sparse, uh, partially because they won't have Landis this year, and they probably won't have Natrushkin either. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live in a, you know, post Cadre timeline, so he's not there. So, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they would be interested in trading for a forward in that case.
2: Uh. They were in on the Gauthier conversation and mm. the Flyers wanted uh Byram, but they wanted uh the, the Avalanche were like, we're not adding to this union you, you need to add. So I think he might be available, but I just don't see why they would trade him. You know, they they do have a pretty big log jam back there on their defense. They have Gerard, who still has a few more years on his contract. So maybe it makes sense, but I don't know. I just can't see it. Mm. Taylor, do you have
0: anything else to add? Go Bills! Go Bills, indeed. Joe, what's the prediction for the game today?
2: It's going to be a close one. I think they're going to win in overtime. Oh Don't my know. Yeah, can't tell you the score, <laughs> but I think they're going to win in overtime.
0: <laughs> All right, love that. Well, Joe, before we sign off, as we always like to do with our guests, we want to give you the opportunity to tell the folks where they could find you online, what you're working on, what you have coming up, and anything else you'd like to share.
2: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it at Joe Marino TCB uh, for some mediocre takes on the Buffalo Sabres. So I have been told, but uh, try to keep it entertaining.
1: Don't, Don't take to ourselves reply, too guys, seriously. Joe. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. I know. It's hard not to, it's hard not to like, you know, like what I was thinking about, like there are probably like hundreds of people that absolutely hate my guts and you know, like, oh, geez, that, <laughs> that kind of stings a little bit but you know i'm hey, trying to think about it
0: <laughs> pales in comparison to the you know handful of 1000
1: followers you have so true true <laughs> joe i actually was wondering that's not that we have here are you uh on a i guess uh have, I, what i'm asking is have you ever spoken to the other joe marino bills joe marino i
2: haven't no that's crazy it would have you been cuz podcasts together like an episode <laughs> i've been podcast. told that uh cuz i did intern for WGR at one point and I worked for one of I worked for Entercom now Odyssey and it would have been interesting if I stuck it out a little longer. Uh <laughs> if I was still there. But yeah, I've never never talked to him, never met him. But uh Joe Marino Squared podcast podcast yeah. coming to a streaming <laughs> platform near you. <laughs> yeah. No relation. No relation. I get asked that all the time. Cause I work at a bank so people always ask If I'm him, and I'm like, no, I'm not him. I'm the Sabres one. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I say. That's what I say.
1: Yeah, it's 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 cool that Bills fans and Sabres fans each have their own Joe Marino.
0: Mm -hmm. We need that kind of you know shared commodity in a
2: way. It's it's a beautiful thing. And the best thing is when people are like. Stick to the bills. Like, oh I'm my not god! Him. I'm not him. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's amazing. You don't huh? know what you're talking would, about. Stick to the
1: bills. <laughs> I would compare it to how the movie world and the music world each have their own Michelle Williams. <laughs> oh, wow! So, all right, yeah. You're the Which Michelle one is Williams. Joe?
0: Which Michelle Williams is Joe? Uh, I think
1: you would be actor Michelle Williams. Boom! There you have it. I'm not familiar
2: with Michelle Williams, but I, I, I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Love it. All right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate you coming on and we're looking forward to hopefully having you on again before the end of the season.
2: Anytime, anytime. Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Perfect. All right. Well, we'll be reaching out everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode of straight up Sabres. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And of course, make sure you're following the charging Buffalo and the hockey podcast network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us straight up Sabres before you close out of this app. Also, whatever, Platform you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabers, make sure you are following or subscribed to us, and we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice rating or review. And last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsor, folks. Don't we love them? We love our sponsors, folks. That would be DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Everybody, go Bills! This has been Straight Up Sabers.